What's going on, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to a brand new episode of Cabinet today for February the 14th of 2019. That's right. It is, in fact, Valentine's Day, and welcome to the show. For those that are brand new to the program, this is a daily gaming news podcast where I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry, and I pack it up in one tight, neat little box for you to enjoy in podcast form via YouTube, live on Twitch, or even via Anchor.fm, the fantastic podcasting service that I do use every single weekday around 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, today, a show was kind of up in the air. I was running some errands. We had some things going on. It's Valentine's Day, of course. But lo and behold, the gaming news just don't stop, ladies and gents, because today we have the confirmation that Ubisoft is planning up to four AAA titles before March 2020. That's a lot of good games in a very short period of time. Now, on top of that, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Star has been denied a copyright for the Carlton dance. Of course, that is Alfonso Ribeiro, who we have been talking about on episodes of Caffeinate over the course of pretty much the past five months or so. Uh, and it's the first time in Caffeinate history where I have a source that is actually a legitimate political site. Uh, so we'll talk more about that. Data miners contend that Nintendo has removed all mention of the Super Nintendo Entertainment System from Nintendo Switch Online via the latest update. So for those that are fans of the SNES, looks like Switch might not be getting that kind of support after all. Or maybe an alternative kind of route they could go. The Division 2 has more PC pre-orders than the original despite skipping Steam. We'll talk about that. On top of that, God of War has won big at the DICE Awards. A copy of Super Mario Bros. just sold for 6 figures at auction. That is over $100,000. Very significant amount of money there. More than I'll make in probably the next five years combined. Fingers crossed that I'm wrong, though. Wouldn't that be nice? I know it would for me. Uh, and on top of all of that, I have a mention of a free trial of a game for you because Trials Rising is actually free for next week's open beta. And those, my friends, are the stories we are going to be talking about today. So without further ado, Let's go ahead and dive into it. First off, Ubisoft is planning up to four AAA titles before March of 2020. During a financial earnings call today, Ubisoft confirmed that the company has three to four more AAA games to release between April of 2019 and March of 2020. This means games in the same budget areas as titles like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Far Cry 5, or The Crew. One of these things is not like the other. I'll let you pick which one that is. Ubisoft wouldn't comment on what those games are, but it should be pretty easy to at least narrow down what those games are not. The Division 2 releases before the end of the fiscal year and thus would not be counted among the games releasing in the next fiscal year, and obviously it's a little too soon for The Division 3. The publisher has confirmed that Assassin's Creed will be skipping 2019 as they focus on providing updates and content for Odyssey in the interim. With Far Cry New Dawn releasing this month, another Far Cry isn't out of question, but would buck the trend of releases in the series. Coincidentally, there's also a review up for Game Informer's take on Far Cry New Dawn, the brand new Far Cry game that actually launches tomorrow, I believe, because tomorrow is one of the biggest days yet in 2019 for game releases. Now, there are likely some projects that Ubisoft has not talked about that could, in fact, fit the bill. It could be a brand new Watch Dogs, which we talked about on yesterday's episode of Cabinet, uh, the last game released in 2016, which was, of course, Watch Dogs 2, and the timing does seem right for a sequel. During last year's E3 leaks, a Splinter Cell title was mentioned but never shown, and could this be Sam Fisher's time to shine? A new crew game could also be on the way, or other titles that are announced but early still, such as Beyond Good and Evil 2, but, of course, E3 is right around the corner, and we'll talk more about what Ubisoft actually has planned in the coming months. 
Uh, now, overall, four AAA titles before March of 2020 is a big order without a doubt, and it's also something that's a little bit confusing for me on top of that, uh, because we are so close to the end of this console generation. You know, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, although they do have pro iterations and an X iteration of each individual console, are beginning to wind down, and you're starting to see a tease for what the next generation is going to actually hold. Uh, so to see four AAA titles within the next fiscal year is something that I kind of question you know it's something that's a little bit shocking to me because why would you put out some of your best work whenever you could save a couple of these games for the next two to three years and in fact make probably more of a profit by just doing a little bit of a port uh, but again this is all just me from an outsider's perspective looking in uh, overall though what is the potential that a couple of these games or at least one of these games could actually get pushed back uh, I mean really whenever you are planning for something that doesn't mean that something is necessarily going to happen just look at what we've seen with Crackdown 3. Of course, Crackdown 3 is a game that is launching this week on the Xbox One and the PC, but it's been in development for about over half a decade, uh, way over five years if I remember correctly. Uh, so of course, things happen and some games fall apart, some games never see the light of day. Uh, but I do believe that at least one of these games is going to be Beyond Good and Evil 2. I feel like that game has had enough time to kind of, you know, sit and simmer. And on top of that, we've seen a lot of discussion about the art style of the game. We've saw some gameplay at last year's E3. Uh, a lot of content coming out surrounding Ubisoft and surrounding Beyond Good and Evil 2. So I definitely think that one is at least in the cards and I would say you might be seeing a release date for that if not in the fall of 2019 early part of 2020 around this time next year uh, wouldn't shock me in the slightest and I think that if that game were to actually release in February it could do fairly well but with that being said, you guys will have to let me know in the comment section down below in the YouTube video what you think these four games are actually going to be coming from Ubisoft. Could be some hits, could be some misses, but at least four AAA games coming within the next fiscal year. Now, on top of that, we do have the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air star being denied a copyright for the Carlton Dance, something that is definitely going to be interesting for those Fortnite fans out there. And again, this story is coming to us from The Hill, a political left-leaning outlet, which again, strange that my show is actually covering something from their outlet, but I digress. Alfonso Ribeiro, one of the stars of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, known as Carlton, was denied a copyright on Wednesday for the Carlton dance his character made famous in the show. The Associated Press reported that the U.S. Copyright Office rejected Ribeiro's request, ruling that the Carlton is not a work of choreography that can be copyrighted. The decision was published in a motion to dismiss Ribeiro's lawsuit against Take-Two Interactive, the company that makes NBA 2K16. Ribeiro is suing the company for its use of the Carlton, of course, in Fortnite, as we all know. The AP reported that a a motion to dismiss the case is scheduled for March the 18th. In addition, Ribeiro filed suit against Epic Games over the use of the dance in the game Fortnite. Epic has earned record profits off of downloadable content in the game, including emotes like Fresh, Ribeiro's attorney David Heck said in a statement in December. Yet Epic has failed to compensate or even ask permission from Mr. Ribeiro for the use of his likeness and iconic intellectual property. And of course, that's pretty much where the story does end as of right now. Uh, now, what's shocking to me here is something that I didn't actually know. The lawsuit wasn't just on Epic Games. I learned something on today's show as well. Uh, it was actually against Take-Two Interactive, and it looks like the, the dance was actually also in an NBA title. Am I understanding this correctly? Uh, uh, wait, I called it the Fortnite dance. My bad. Whoops. Sorry there, Alfonso. Uh, in NBA 2, 2K19, 16? something like that. Uh, but regardless, yeah, it actually does. It is in 2K16. Uh, so what you have here 
Upon my discovery is that the dance is actually not just made famous via Fortnite, but also made famous via NBA. And I'm sure that it's been used in a plethora of other games, uh, as we've seen a couple of games here and there actually removing dances as these lawsuits have begun to come about. Uh, so if you are curious as to what was going on with Alfonso Ribeiro, the Carlton dance, and of course, where these dance lawsuits are going to be going, it looks like at least the first, and I would say the most notable, is being dismissed out of court entirely, at least that's what is supposed to happen on March the 18th, but we'll see how the lawsuit goes. If anybody has any money to spend on an attorney, it is definitely Alfonso Ribeiro, who actually, aside from this entire lawsuit thing, is doing fairly well for himself in the grand scheme of things. Pretty impressive what he has done with his career since being the iconic individual on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air alongside co-star Will Smith. You might have heard of him. Famous for I Am Legend, the best movie. I'm just kidding. Uh, but... That's pretty much where we're at right now, and moving on to the next story of the day. Data miners contend that Nintendo Switch has removed, or at least Nintendo has removed all mention of the SNES from the Nintendo Switch Online in the latest update, which of course is the subscription-based service that's kind of like PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live Gold, and this very well could mean anything. Nintendo is covering their tracks according to the data mining community. Data miner Simon, who is part of the same efforts as folks like Cappuccino Heck, has discovered that Nintendo has removed all of the SNES strings from the Nintendo Switch Online app in the newest update this week. Given that Nintendo did this exact same thing for Smash Ultimate, potentially concealing upcoming DLC characters, it is safe to say that it's becoming a standard practice for the company. While it's tough to know if the SNES lines were just in there for the hell of it or for testing, expecting some sort of SNES ramp up at some point is reasonable. For now, we wait, possibly until E3, but enjoy your hand-picked few games a month, and that's where the story does conclude. Of course, this apparently is pretty good news, uh, because removals of any kind of mention of any kind of game from any kind of service can often mean one of two things. Essentially, you're either going to be getting that game via an official announcement that has a lot more marketing behind it, or you aren't going to be getting that at all. So either somebody is scrubbing stuff clean to have a surprise party, or somebody is scrubbing clean a murder scene. That's pretty much the two kind of the two kind of options you've got right there. And at least according to the past of Nintendo and the choices they've made on their marketing campaigns, apparently you are going to be getting some kind of SNES announcement uh, coming over the next few weeks, or at least next couple of months, uh, which of course is something a lot of people are going to be excited about. Of course, growing up, I never did play the SNES games. I was always more of an NES game kind of kid if I did ever have access to to one of the older consoles uh, but even with that being said it's still cool to see these old games getting kind of a new uh, life on Nintendo's newest handheld and of course I would love to see more stuff like The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening uh, because that was the biggest game from yesterday's Nintendo Direct in my opinion aside from Mario Maker 2 that definitely has made the rounds on the internet as being incredibly adorable and also incredibly true to its form. Uh, so of course it seems like Nintendo is finally on the right path to embracing their nostalgic community and really just bringing all of the classics back in so hopefully we'll be seeing some more of the SNES online on the Nintendo Switch online in the next couple of months. Now, The Division 2 is a game that is also coming out in March, but it actually has more PC pre-orders than the original game despite skipping Steam. Now, that is something that's pretty impressive, and again, this is a little tidbit coming from the Ubisoft earnings call. 
Ubisoft surprised a lot of people in January, in January when it announced that The Division 2 will be released on the Epic Games Store and not Steam, and that at least some of its future PC releases will be given the same treatment. Ubi said at the time that it believes Epic will, quote, deliver a smooth journey from pre-ordering to release, and that Epic's effort to disrupt the industry is something Ubisoft wants to support. Ubisoft CEO Yves Gamow went deeper into the company's reasoning for changing stories today, or excuse me, stores during an earnings call today, and the short and obvious version is that Ubisoft believes it can make more money outside of Steam. So far, it sounds like the strategy is working out fairly well. There is a growing number of distribution platforms fighting for great content. With this deal, we saw an opportunity to increase players' exposure to our own store, while at the same time supporting a partner that greatly values our games and provides materially better terms, Gamo said. Early indications are supportive, as PC pre-orders are higher than that for the first division, and pre-orders on the Ubisoft store are six times higher. We believe this deal is a long-term positive for Ubisoft. He reiterated the point during a follow-up Q&A session, being on the Epic Store really helped to actually do more for our business on our own store and to have a better revenue per unit sold via the Epic deal, he said. So altogether, it's really helped us go smoothly from Steam. Ubisoft hasn't made an official forecast for the Division 2 sales, but Gimo said it has all it takes to be a bigger seller lifetime than the Division 1. All told, it doesn't sound like Ubisoft will be walking this one back anytime soon, and of course the game itself does come out on March the 15th. Now this is something that, in my opinion, is definitely revealing the direction that more publishers and more game developers are going to be taking. Now, of course, uh, the Epic Game Store deal that is offered to a lot of developers and publishers, those that also publish through a company, and those that are independent publishers, is incredibly better as compared to that being offered by Steam at the current time. Uh, so, of course, it does make sense that they're switching over to the Epic Game Store to make more money, but it's also good that they aren't going exclusively with the Uplay launcher. It gives people an option of whether they want to go with the first-party option via Ubisoft directly, or the third-party option via, of course, Epic Games Store. Uh, so they do have player choice there, and of course they are making more money, but what's revealing to me is that pre-orders on Uplay are actually six times higher uh, as compared to the traditional style of game release. That's something that I really didn't expect. Uh, because quite frankly, I think what people are doing is not showing support for the Epic Games Store and instead choosing to buy their game on Uplay, which is not the reaction that I thought we would be having with The Division 2. Uh, now, of course, Uplay, or Uplay, whatever you want to call it, depending on your inflection of the U, uh, actually is not that bad of a launcher. I've used it for Rainbow Six Siege in the past. I've used it for Far Cry. It really, truly is a pretty solid launcher, but it's not one that is as good as the Epic Games launcher in general. Of course, quick aside, if you aren't already, just use Discord to launch your games. It is stellar. It's great. I love Discord. The launching, oh, it's great. Uh, but overall, I think what we are seeing here is that in a world where Steam isn't necessarily the go-to place to publish games, it really does free up the space for publishers to make more money and to developers, uh, or to allow developers to make more money in the long run. And that's not necessarily something that I really expected going into this. Of course, I expected some kind of adoption of the Epic Games Store, but I didn't expect to see this kind of success, especially with a game like The Division 2. Uh, so, 
it looks like it's going to be a pretty solid winner for Ubisoft if the Division 2 can deliver on some of the promises that the Division 1 made but ultimately fell a bit short on. Overall though, I will say I'm liking the setting of the Division 2 and I like the gunplay of the Division 2, but ultimately it's still a looter shooter grind cover based system uh, like we saw within the first Division. Uh, so if you did want to get your hands on the game, it's coming out on the PC via the Epic Games Store as well as PS4 and the Xbox One on March the 15th. It's going to be one of the spring's biggest games, but the question is, will it be absolutely massacred by Anthem? Maybe. Very well could be. Now, boy, or as they say in the uh, the Norse mythology, boy, God of War won big at the DICE Awards. At the DICE Summit in Las Vegas tonight, and of course that is yesterday. Yesterday? Today? Whoa, tonight's DICE? That's crazy. Uh, apparently, I've missed some things. At the DICE Summit in Las Vegas tonight, the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences award a game of the year to Sony Santa Monica's God of War. Yeah, that was last night. Uh, so again, game of the year to Sony Santa Monica's God of War. The game, which reimagines the franchise that debuted in 2005 on the PlayStation 2, also came away with eight other awards, including Outstanding Achievement in Game Direction and Game Design. Other notable winners include finely tuned platformer Celeste from Matt Makes Games in the category of Outstanding Achievement for Independent Game, VR Lightsaber Swinging VR Game Beat Saber from Beat Games, Into the Breach from Sunset Games, Subset Games, excuse me, in the Strategy Slash Simulation category, and Red Dead Redemption 2 from Rockstar Games for Technical Achievement. And of course, the full list is down below. Uh, so again, I do want to read through what God of War actually won because that's the story that I want to talk about tonight. Game of the Year was God of War along with Outstanding Achievement in Game Direction, Outstanding Achievement in Game Design. Uh, on top of that, you also have the following as I'm scrolling down through this entire list of winners. Adventure Game of the Year, Outstanding Achievement in Story, Outstanding Achievement in Sound Design, Outstanding Achievement in Original Music Composition, Outstanding Achievement in Character, which God of War is giving it to Kratos, Outstanding Achievement in Art Direction is God of War as well, and those are the winners, if I did count correctly. Uh, so overall, the take-home from this specific story is that God of War is just phenomenal. Okay, I can't gush about this game enough because whenever I first sat down to play the game, which I bought on launch day, uh, I was playing through it and I played it a bit on stream and then I was like, hey guys, I'm not going to be doing this on stream. It's, it's, it's an experience that you throw yourself into and you just become engulfed in the mythology, in the character of Kratos and his son Atreus, uh, in the world that has been created. It is just absolutely the pinnacle of the gaming experience that I would want to get from a big AAA story-based game. And again, it's coming out in 2018 when single-player games are supposedly dying. So with that being said, this game proved all of that to be complete and utter wrong. I was going to say something else, but I mean TOS, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, if you have not played God of War, I would highly recommend it. It has won many, many Game of the Year awards, and for good reason, because it's probably my game of the millennia. It is just so dang good. It is just so dang good. But of course, is it better than Super Mario Bros? A game that is literally selling in 2019 for $100,000. But of course, this isn't the standard kind of Super Mario Bros cartridge. Okay, let's be real here. A copy of Super Mario Bros has sold for six figures. Every few phone calls with my mom, the author says, I usually have to explain why throwing away all my old video games left in a box in my childhood home is a bad idea. 
I tell her things in there might sell for quite a bit of money one day, and she scoffs and tells me there's no way a dusty old cardboard box full of games will sell for a significant amount. While there may be nothing in there that will sell for $100,000, a recent auction proved for the first time that video games can indeed hit numbers that high. The game in question is Super Mario Bros., the 1985 original platformer that helped launch Nintendo into the realm of being a household name in the West. As Nintendo tried convincing test markets in America to carry the Nintendo Entertainment System, most retailers were skeptical after the Atari crash. This meant that the company would try things in Los Angeles and New York City that wouldn't really get out to the larger continental United States. One of these was packaging a reprint of Super Mario Bros. without shrink wrap and instead using an official Nintendo sticker to seal the box for an extremely limited time in those two cities. As you can guess, a mint copy of the game with that sticker intact goes for a pretty penny. A lot of pretty pennies, in fact. At a recent auction last week, the game went for a shockingly high price of $100,150, the first time a single game has sold for six figures. Again, that is $100,150. It's not that none of these stickered versions have ever been seen, it's that they have been auctioned off at this quality. By virtue of not being shrink-wrapped, the boxes have significant wear and tear over the last 30 years, meaning that very few are museum quality. This one has been sealed and stored for decades and fetched a price to prove it. The item was bought by a group of collectors, archivists, historians, and other auctioneers, and I should see if they want to buy my copy of Shadow Hearts for the PlayStation 2. The author Imran Khan says over there at Game Informer. Uh, so, the takeaway from this story. If you have a sealed copy of Super Mario Bros. with the sticker on the back, you, my friend, are a very wealthy individual, at least by my terms. Because $100,000, I mean, I don't know about you, uh, but that's a lot of green, my dudes. That's a lot of green. Uh, so hopefully this will end up in some kind of museum somewhere. It definitely deserves to be. Uh, but I love this type of video game history. You know, whenever I go on YouTube late in the night or early in the morning, depending on when insomnia decides to attack me, I do like watching video game historians talk about where games are these days, what is valuable, uh, what is rare, and stuff like that. And this story of a comeback for Nintendo after the Atari crash, which essentially was where uh, there were tons of bad games pumped out for the Atari, and it ended up kind of causing a vacuum where nothing was really doing well, and so video games began to decline. Uh, but in that type of scenario, and in that type of, uh, or at least in that point of history, to see this type of game make the impact that it had, and to be able to hold that piece of history, is something that is just amazing to me. So, again, if you do have a copy of Super Mario Bros. for the NES with the sticker on the back instead of shrink wrap, you could very well have over $100,000 if you go to the right auction and you sell it to the right bidder. Of course, if you have $100,000, it goes the other way as well. You can buy one, etc. But let's say you don't have $100,000, and let's say you do want a free game. Congratulations, I have the news for you. You can try out Trials Rising for free in next week's open beta. Ubisoft's Mor Motocross, not Moracross, I apologize, Motocross platformer releases on February the 26th. Ubisoft's 2.5 dimensional motocross racing platformer Trials Rising will be out on February 26th, a slight pushback from its originally scheduled launch of February the 12th. Before that happens, you can take it for a spin in a free open beta running the 21st through the 25th. Earlier this month, Ubisoft revealed more about its post-launch plans for Trials Rising, which include a two-part expansion pass with new locations, tracks, contracts, and customization items, the Stuntman Rider Pack, and the Samurai Pack, which sounds like a highly practical gear set for riding. There will also be a free post-launch season, or at least seasons, multiple. Ooh, that's, that's the cue. 
Ooh. Uh, which will add new poses, animations, customization items, and events, as well as weekly challenges offering in-game currency and limited time rewards. While the open beta will effectively roll straight into launch, Ubisoft said that it will not provide any kind of head start because progress made in the beta will not carry over into the full game. So essentially, the use of beta in this specific case is pretty much saying you're going to be getting a free demo that rolls into the launch if you do enjoy what you experience. Uh, now overall, for those that have not had the joy of playing a Trials game, I will be the first to say uh, that it is very, very fun. Of course, it is just pretty much the zany, uh, as it says, 2.5-dimensional motocross game that you would expect uh, from the Trials franchise at this point. Of course, for those that stream on Twitch, for those that stream on Mixer, Facebook, whatever you might be streaming on, uh, content creators absolutely eat this stuff up because it is just repetitive, it is gruesome, and it can fill hours and hours of your time without ever actually doing anything. Just ask man versus game. Uh, but if you did want to check out Trials Rising again, it's coming out this week, or at least next week, in beta format, and then the following week via a full release. So again, you can check that out via Uplay, or I would assume uh, the PlayStation 4 as well as the Xbox One, uh, which again, I would love to clarify, but hey, it's not at the bottom of the article. So guess what? You can go on Google.com and type in Trials Rising and see if it's on the platform that you would want as a matter of fact, I'm going to do that because I'm curious. Trials Rising. Let's see what we got. But yeah, Duke of Spook in the chat says, nice, might pick that up. It's a solid looking game. And it's coming on the PS4, the Xbox One, the Switch, and the PC as well. So overall, the Switch version sounds really cool. Uh, but if you did want to pick it up on any of those platforms, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good time. And again, open beta, so you can at least watch some, if not play some, depending on your schedule. But with that being said, that wraps up today's episode of Caffeinate. If you did enjoy today's show, be sure to drop me a like down below. And if you're hanging out live in the Twitch chat, I appreciate you being here as well. And of course, if you did want to watch the show live, it's hosted on twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams five days a week, Monday through Friday, around 7 p.m. Eastern time. Now, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your Valentine's Day. If you're going out on a date tonight, be sure to tip the waiter or waitress very well because it's Valentine's Day and they probably... If I'm being real with you, don't want to be serving you anyway. J just saying. Uh, but I'll be back tomorrow for Friday's episode of Caffeinate. But until then, you guys have a fantastic one, and peace.